three, and welcome to another segment of Rafa's podcast. Today, I have Daniela Jopi. She is one of my newest. Guests. She is my newest guest, and she is currently a sophomore at the University of Florida, studying political science and women's studies. Cool. Yeah. I got that right. I was about to yeah. be like, "Oh no, you just told me, and I forgot." But either way, a little background: we have been friends for a while since we actually took the first co- my first college class was her first college class too, right? And Dulan yeah. Roman back in like yeah. what 2016, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And uh, she was class of 2019, and we both went to the same high school, um, which is pretty much where we're gonna start. So um, after I left our high school, and to give a little background on Matter Lakes Academy, um, <laughs> I mean, how would you describe that school to your typical American now that you've had more interactions with, you know, like? your typical white person from any state other than Florida, how can you describe that high school? Because it's definitely not the same as your average American high school. Yeah, it's like a small charter school. So it's not like regular high schools, like you said. Um, There was like 300 people in my class. Like, so it's like a pretty like small, like everyone knows each other. So it's like, you don't get, I feel like you don't get like the typical like high school experience like you see like in movies. I mean, I don't think anyone does like you see in movies, but especially in ours, we didn't have like a football team. Um, Like you knew the administration well because like the office was like a big part of like the two small buildings that we had. So it was like definitely not like your typical high school. It was kind of like, I don't know. I guess like it had its benefits and its downsides like like knowing everyone and like being close like knowing everyone in your class but also like in terms of like academic opportunities it was kind of limiting limiting I mean can you give me an example of when you felt limited by an academic opportunity well like just like basic like the amount of AB classes that you could mm-hmm. take, like the kinds of classes that you could take. You didn't have like a lot of like, I guess like liberty to like choose like types of classes if you wanted to take like more advanced classes or like, like if you were like a, a like a, a student with good grades and you like wanted to like take AP or, cause I know like other schools have like, they don't have AP, they have like, another type of like pre-college class but we only had AP so like there was like only like a certain amount of APs that you could take that were like what you wanted like if you like me if you wanted to like major in political science or like you knew you didn't want to do math or science in college there was only like a certain amount of classes that you could take that like actually were interesting to you and could make you look good in like college apps and also just like like help in general with like i don't want to like talk bad about matter lakes but i mean you don't I mean, you don't know. look at it as talking bad but i definitely know what you mean um but just i mean give your honest opinion because at the end of the day you were a student that you you had that experience of going there and um i mean i definitely get what you were saying and it's true it is limiting in a lot a lot of ways due to a lot of factors um I mean, one of the biggest factors aside from um, like academic things 
was how controlled everything was. And I know you've done a lot of things after, I mean, after I graduated, I know you, you started a couple things. Do you want to run us down through that? Well, yeah, I started like the first ever like women's like empowerment club. So it was like, not like a women's club. It was like a, woman, a club for feminism and like for like women's issues. And just like getting that done, like just like, being able to say that that was going to be a thing that was going to happen in the high school was like a big deal because I mean, the majority of the people in our high school were like Hispanic and the majority were first generation. And so were the administrators. So they were like, but the difference was that they were like a different generation of Hispanics. So they had a lot of different views about like controversial issues or like issues that are popular now, like the women's movement or like, you know, racial issues. And um, so like the, the, like the principal, he didn't want any kind of like club that would like, like be promoting issues that he didn't feel like he believed in. And women's issues, it wasn't that like he was, he didn't believe in like women's rights or whatever, but he just like, he, he had like the old like Cuban, man mentality of about feminism so it was like hard to even like get him to agree to let us do that I know a lot of people and a lot of other classes at the high school had been trying to do a women's club for so many years and they never even got the opportunity to talk to the principal about it because school administrators would be like you know you're wasting your time they wouldn't and like to even talk to the principal you need to have like a sponsor already like you need to be like yeah I have a teacher who's willing to like run this club so question how did you make it work like run us down through the steps let's say if someone would want to do it themselves like how how what was the first thing that you that you did and like how did you make it work because other people had tried it before or had the idea um and what challenges did you face I remember you guys had a little um backlash from a teacher right or something like that was that was that was that what happened? It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of things. Um, we faced a lot of like controversy, but like just getting it done, it was kind of like crazy. Like crazy how it happened. It was literally like the end of my sophomore year, like literally the last two weeks of school, and me and Mercedes, you know her, which is like one. She was one of my close friends in high school. Um, we're like pretty good students like so we we knew we like could talk to like the principal or the administration because they respected us because we like gave them good grades we made them look good so we thought we could talk to like the principal but we just didn't know like if we had the support of someone else or if like any other teacher was willing to like put their even like their job at risk to like say that they supported us because it was like that hard to like like got the club done that like if a teacher said that they wanted to help us like they could potentially like be like looking bad at the administration and they could face some backlash like because mm -hmm. of their job in it so me and Mercedes literally we like the 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 week before school ended me her and like her sister and Jennifer which was another friend of ours and like I think Andrea, we knew, we had talked to Miss Alonzo, which is an English teacher. Um, I don't know if you ever had her. I don't think you knew. No, her. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I was really close to her. Like, I was really close to Molina. And 
I had him for like two years and after I had him I was like oh I'm not gonna like get another English teacher that I like I have such a great connection with and then I had her after that and me and her had a lot of like the same views about like women's rights and you know like political issues so like I knew that she always wanted something like that club to be part of the school and she definitely wanted the school to be more inclusive but um she just like yeah didn't have students that she knew could like want to do it or like she knew that would be able to do it I knew she had helped like other students like in other years with like the gay straight alliance like trying to make that happen um but it just like immediately got shut down by like the activities administrator so like but yeah me and her went me and Mercedes went to Miss Alonso like after school um and that day and we were like you know we really thought this out like we had like a week before that we had like written um like a petition about like who wants like a woman's club in Matter Lakes and obviously it got signed by a bunch of people so we showed that to her and like she didn't need convincing but we just wanted to show her that you know like we are dedicated and like we really wanted to make this happen was this petition like very low-key or how were you spreading the word yeah it was super low-key like uh we didn't want like any administration to find out just because like we were scared that if they found out before we talked to them before they would like think that we were trying to do it behind their back or they Mm -hmm. were like they would like make opinions about the club and we didn't want that to happen before we actually got to talk to them so it was literally just like a piece of copy paper and like i carried one and she carried one and we would just like literally just like ask people like you know like we're trying to make this happen like if you don't mind signing your name um so we can like show like if we ever talk to the administration we can show them that you know there's a lot of students that want this to happen it's not just us so yeah it was literally just like a piece of copy paper and us like asking friends and like telling people about it um and then we showed up to Ms. Alonzo and she was like yeah like I've always like I've wanted to do this for years I'm so happy that you guys are like taking initiative and actually like like wanting to do it like for sure so and she was like I'm 100% with you guys but she already had the National English Honor Society which was like a club that she had created by herself um like last year so she didn't think that they would let her be a sponsor of the two clubs or she thought that that could be like an excuse for her to for them to be like oh no she's already running another club so you don't have a sponsor so you can't do the club so she talked to, coincidentally enough, when we went into her class, Miss um, Garlinski, which was like another English teacher that like was Miss Alonso's like best friend, mm-hmm. was um, in that classroom, and she like had the same views as her, and like she like 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 she wanted a club like that to happen too. She was just like had started like a year before, just like she had only been a matter like a year, so she didn't like know if the administration would really trust her with like running a club but she told us you know tell them that Miss Garlinski is gonna is gonna do it because I can't do it because I'm already running a club and um she has your support and tell them that like Miss Alonzo like recommended her so basically we just got the okay from them about like like they would support us 100% and then literally that same day we we talked to them and then we went downstairs to the front office and we were like, can we talk to the principal, Rovi? 
and it's like you know how like he's like in his special office like of course for you to talk to times. him yeah yeah he's like the president so like were you guys nervous you have to be like yeah for sure like it was who who went he, in there with you it was you and who else and mercedes just me and mercedes. just you at mercedes okay because we didn't want like a like a crowd of girls to like overwhelm him yeah because i feel like that would have been extra and yeah, i don't yeah, think i don't no. think he would have taken that super lightly but cool yeah and and like he knew me and mercedes like mm-hmm. he, he had okay, seen true. us like uh at awards and stuff and like we had talked to him in the hallways like so um he knew who we we were like as students and stuff so we thought that like he'd feel more comfortable just talking to us and uh basically uh we like went to his office like we we let the i don't think we even talked to the people at the front desk we literally just like there was like a you know the door next to the main office where like only teachers can go through yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so we got to like we sneaked in there because the teacher opened the door because like we knew that like if we like asked the front desk it would be like what do you want to talk to him for like whatever whatever so we we went through there and then he was outside his office and we're like oh we just wanted to talk to you and he was like oh oh hi and whatever you know he's like super like extra with like yeah with like greeting girls um that sounds bad but you know what i mean but yeah i know what you mean and um we're like you know we were thinking about this club it would be like a a woman's club about like girls like but like girls and boys can join that like we couldn't say a feminist club we had to be like yeah yeah sh- well i mean at like, the end of the day would you consider it a feminist club all the way or like how would you describe it really quickly before we continue like because i guess t- obviously you couldn't say that because i guess it would sound harsh to him you know a feminist club it's it sounds like very very extreme so but what would you consider it would you consider it that I mean, our shirts, like the, like our first ever shirt, like club shirt was like, the logo was like a woman symbol. And mm-hmm. then like, it was like women's empowerment club. That was the yeah. name of the club. It wasn't women's club. Um, and then like the back of the shirt had like Rosie the Riveter and like, yeah. it said something about empowerment. So like, like, and things that we tried to like within our circumstances and like within things that like got approved by administration like everything that we did i can like so you guys were all about, were like, like going through the fine line like you guys weren't crossing any boundaries okay we we tried to i mean the first year was kind of like a test run and like we we didn't want to like do like anything that like was like too radical for them mm-hmm. i guess but i guess um, one step at a time. in the beginning yeah, so because we wanted the club to be sustainable and like we didn't want the club to just disappear when we left because that wasn't the point. Like the point was for the club to like continue being a thing um, in the school, like to outlive us, you know. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> we were like a women's club that like is for, you know, everyone that like wants to support women. And he was like, whoa, wait, wait, like, what do you mean? Like, um what do you want to do with that and we're like no just like like to like help girls like and guys like feel more comfortable or whatever and then luckily alice which was another school administrator was there like in in the office at the same time that we were talking to rovi and she overheard us and i guess like she like 
Loki had wanted that to be a thing for a long time, but like, you know, like no one had ever been able to like talk to him about it. So she like stepped in right away and she was like, yeah, like there's schools who have like, there's like a board of like women's issues for high schools. There's like a, a um, like an organization that if they want to like join, like if they want to make the club affiliated with it, they can like follow certain guidelines. I guess to like make it more efficient to him to make it seem like this is a thing that like happens in a lot of other schools. And like, we can't, we won't just be able to do whatever we want. Like we can, it's like an official thing. So he like kind of listened to that. And um, he was like, I remember like, like the first thing that he told us was like you know nothing crazy like no I guess because he had heard about like the free the nipple movement during that time and he's like no boobs or whatever and we we're like what yeah he was like this yeah is, nothing this is like, the man that we're dealing with is he yeah. is, is he still principal do you know yeah okay yeah I mean up to like what I know I visited like Matter Lake like I think my spring break okay or something to to see or like winter break to like just see miss alonzo and stuff mm -hmm. and like she had told me that like like the principal Roby had like told her that if i like stopped by to like tell tell me to like go say hi to him in the office because like after the club and everything i had to talk to him so much about stuff about the club that like like he became like cool with me and stuff and yeah. like he actually like I got him to wear like a pride pin at the end of my senior year. So, wow, that's, like, that's a very big accomplishment. Like that's big. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I think I kind of grew on him and like he, I, I hopefully I made him just like a little bit more, like just a little bit more Open. liberal or like a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's still there and you know, he's not going to retire until like. He's, Whatever. So yeah. guide me through the backlash that you guys had from some teachers. What's up with that? Well, the first issue we faced was um, some teachers wanted to create a men's club just like all of a sudden. And they swore that it wasn't because of the women's club that they had been wanting to do that for years. Did that ever get done? Um, unofficially, yes but like it was kind of a flop because like nobody really went only students who like like that teacher went I don't know if I should like give him a platform and say his name what did I he teach do like I know him, him? you don't have to yeah. do I know him I know him math he's really popular with kids he okay like, okay did he have like all the really really smart math kids yeah okay like, okay I know who you're talking about I know who you're talking about yeah yeah damn he must have gotten a lot of hate for that but what was the reason like what was the reasoning behind it like why couldn't so, you just guys have your own yeah thing? well like they thought like a women's empowerment club was like a woman's club so they didn't realize like feminism isn't just for women and like we like we wanted men and like students that were male and female or any other gender to like want to join the club like but like you know did you guys have any boys in the club yeah we did um not as many as girls but we actually like some joined just to be like oh, this is funny you know <laughs> women's club like they would go to our meetings and just like just like so you had some people just be there for no reason yeah but they paid the membership fee and oh okay i guess they, like <laughs> i mean i don't yeah. i don't see the point of 
going that far for a joke. But um, if they paid the members the the fee, so I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you can talk about us all you want, but like you're giving us money, you're going to yeah. our meetings and like talking to people about us. So like, thanks, you know. But um, basically, the men's club was like a gentleman's club. And like they said that girls could join too, but the the premise of it, like I never went to a meeting or anything, but like, like we lucky had some of our members like go to the meetings just like to like snoop one on. Mm-hmm. I, they, I think, yeah, I think they had like two or three meetings in total and before like no one ever like cared. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a, like a lot of backbone to that group, honestly. It just sounds like backlash, but. It was too like too, one social studies teacher and um, one math teacher who were like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what their political views were, but it didn't seem like they were really avid feminists. Mm-hmm. So they were basically just like they were probably with students, so they got like students who like had been hearing stuff about our club and like before we even had our first meeting because we hadn't been able to so that happened like we proposed the club at the end of my sophomore year and then that club actually launched like my junior year so like we had all summer to like plan everything and stuff but people already started hearing about it and we like made an instagram and like we had told people about it just so like we'd have like people would know about it when the school year started but i guess they had like when they heard about that they they made their own ideas and then like when the school year started they started talking about their students about how they felt about the club and the gentleman's club was basically like supposedly it was to teach chivalry um it matter lakes that's pretty funny Jeez. yeah it was like how to do you tie or like how to open it was a bullshit girls. club like I, I honestly i would i don't have anything i don't have any sort of remorse because i mean I'm already out of that school. I'm already to the next point of my life. And I, everything that I see that I, that happened in high school, like the unnecessary strictness for certain things, it's honestly, and I can say it's all bullshit. Like it was just strict for no reason. And the administration, I hated a lot of people in the administration because they just felt like they were really above us in some sort of way. But it's literally because just of our age at that point, like, I guess I understand why they felt above us. But so many of us are going to move on to do even greater things and, you know, sitting at a desk and greeting parents. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just so ridiculous that, so, so that you guys could have so much backlash to something like that when it's, it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's progressive and the school can't stay in one position for the rest of time. So... I mean, like we we got a, a gay straight alliance to happen at the end of the year, and that was that's a whole other story. At the end of your that's senior year, at the end of your sophomore, uh, junior year. At the end of my senior year, like okay, like the last month of my senior year, which that's a whole other story, and it yeah. it stemmed from like my so my sponsor the sponsor for the club actually changed my senior year because Miss Garlinski, our original sponsor, mm-hmm. left. Like she moved and she got another job, but we had another English teacher who's also close to Miss Alonso. Um, uh and um she like took over the club uh senior year and she was really helpful too and she's still the sponsor now and we have like a new president and like a a new officer that i got to help choose so like the club is still a thing that 
and they post stuff on Instagram and they do events. I'm like, I'm so happy because it's my baby. And yeah, you left a legacy. That, like, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, no, don't guess. You left, you left something that's very, very cool. Um, but at the, let's say during your, you said your first year was a trial. Your first year was a trial phase. So your second year, um, what improvements were there? What, what did you see? Like, what was the overall consensus of the group when they talked about the women's empowerment club? So what, what other changes did you, were you able to make that, you know, put a smile on your face? So you saw that actually helped other girls. Uh, you know, did anyone tell you how it changed them in a way it helped them? And, you know, what was the, what was the, what was the effects? So like one of my big, like one of the biggest things I'm proud of to like have done with the club is put uh, period boxes in every class. So we got our members to donate like shoe boxes. We would give them like points um, for like donating a box. So basically like if you were like a junior or a senior and you got enough points like accumulated in the club throughout the year, since we weren't like an English honor society or like a key club, we did we couldn't have cords or and we couldn't have like a certificate for them so like even if like people who didn't want to do it just for the like just for participating in like like feminist um related activities or like events that we hosted um we still like wanted an incentive for people to keep coming to the to the meetings and stuff so we would like make a point system for any donations and um, the period boxes were like, yeah, shoe boxes, and they would get a certain amount of points if they just give us a shoe box, um, or if they decorated it yeah. however they wanted, and if they donated pads. And like, um, we try to get tampons in there, but um, administration was also had opinions about that. So um, you could only get pads in there, no tampons. Well, officially, but like, okay, we still like. Yeah, like me, I doubted that. Like, they never went through the boxes. Like, like I highly doubt they were gonna send one security guard to just make sure there's no tampons in the boxes. Which is, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have done it, <laughs> but I'm glad they yeah. did. I'm glad you guys continue to, you know, improve on that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So like the period boxes, they would like we would have to make the awkward, um, like act of like going into the teacher's class and be like hey do you mind if we put this there um and like sadly no? had to be um well the same teacher that created the gentleman's mm. club he didn't want that uh, in his room he was like uh, i don't know about like when i didn't go mercedes went, which is the girl that helped me mm. make the club um she went to him because she like I never had him thankfully and like I didn't know him personally so like I was like you know go you talk to him because like I he's probably not gonna like we thought that he would agree more to her because he knew her um mm -hmm. but he was like oh I don't know about this I have to talk to administration and stuff and like the other professor said the same thing okay um which was it was already like I felt like that it, it seems like a small thing but like it really like it makes you feel really uncomfortable when you have to go into a class and like, like make like things such as like pads and tampons, like, like, like a, st like full of stigma and be like, mm -hmm. have to pull the teacher aside and be like, can we put these kinds of products in your class or whatever? So like, it was already bad enough that she had to go in there and have that uncomfortable conversation with him. And he was like, I don't know, I have to talk to administration. And this was only like what grades or what teachers, how did you, what, what, like, was this on every classroom? I'm guessing middle school. Was it even middle school? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was, it was throughout the entire school. 
yeah we okay, cool. we got it approved um first for high school and then i don't i don't know how long later but like shortly after we got it approved for middle school because does this know, continue till like, this day was, yeah cool that's 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 awesome um yeah but we kind of like um we came back with like a note from administration signed by administration with the box to that teacher and we were like uh, you don't need to talk to them like we got it approved like what's okay. the problem cool and we, like the whole class heard us so he had to let us mm -hmm. so we were kind of like when they were we were kind of petty too like when they when the men's club did like the how to do your own tie how to tie your tie um i wonder meaning, if any of those people we, actually like, learned how to tie a tie that day but whatever i doubt they even like taught them my but um we like in our next meeting like all the officers wore ties with their polos and they're like do you guys want ties like whatever um so yeah it was like the period boxes were the best thing i feel like because a lot of teachers afterwards um mostly female teachers were like oh i heard some students like like talking about the period box and some boys making some like jokes about it and uh teachers had the opportunity to be like oh what's so funny about that like why are you why are you making fun of this person for like going to the box or like why is this such a big deal like what's the problem and then the kids wouldn't have anything to say because of course you know, because they're like, idiots like they're just literally you know yeah stupid. i mean they're literally like 13 year olds so. that's awesome because they don't i mean obviously you know they have no sense of anything at that age but they don't see how progressive something something so small is in today's world just like to have the freedom of you know like uh, it happens to girls all the time they accidentally don't have any sort of product on them so you i'm pretty sure you've saved so many lives during during like these two years that that's been there um but that is that is really really awesome that you took that initiative and did that so moving on to college now are you in anything related or in, in like anything like that because there's a lot of you know groups in college so what have you what have you dabbled with so I definitely like like joined like I went to a meeting of the women's club at at UF. The it's called the Women's Student Association, and they obviously they it's the university, so they have like a lot of things that they can do. And there's a lot of clubs, and there's like Democrats Club and Black Lives Matter Club, and you know, so it's like a whole different like playing. It's field. a whole atmosphere. It's a whole different playing game. Yeah, it is. It's it's crazy when you make that transition. I want I want to touch on that yeah. later, but like after after you let me know what you're dabbling with in in college. Well, yeah, I took a lot of uh, women's studies classes mm -hmm. my first year. I took intro to intersectional feminism. I just took um, international relations and um, gender, which was like a class that like it was amazing because I'm like my ma my majors are political science and women's studies mm -hmm. and there's like so many different international relations classes but they usually just focus on you know like the main actors in history and like the men who tell the stories and like they rarely ever focus on like women's issues that were going on like through like they don't they barely talk about women in like the cold war or like you know any other thing that was like it's major in in mainstream international relations so taking gender and international relations it was literally like a combination of the two things that i'm interested in and that class was amazing like i got to read so many like literature about like 
like of feminist scholars and like feminist international relationists and it's just like college is a whole different you know world so like mostly my classes and like but I haven't been like you know like I haven't been an officer yet at an yeah club I mean or, like, it's, I it's your first year so I highly doubt you're, you're gonna you know and it's also your first year of college is it's a lot it could it could be a lot you know you're learning how to manage your time a uh, whole new scenario classes so it, it's it definitely could be a lot that's why your first year is pretty much like a, a trial in a way and then you can really see where your where your priorities are but either way um so moving on from high school to college um when you found out you were going to go to uf you know well like a couple of days before you started were you nervous uh, yeah, I was, I was mostly excited, um, to, cause I, I had been like wanting to be independent for so long and like have my own space. And, you know, I live with my single mom and like, we live in a small apartment. Mm-hmm. So like, like the big thing in college for me was like discovering myself and like wanting to do stuff, but it's definitely not, not the same as everyone tells you it is, um, what did people tell you it was I mean, going to be uh, like? Well, it's like, I've heard a lot. I had heard a lot of opinions about college, you know, like college is the best time of your life or college can be hard adjusting. And like, like in the like preview, which is like the, it's like a weekend event that like freshmen have at UF mm-hmm. for like, you go to UF and then like you have like two days where like they show you the campus and they talk to you about stuff and students students had like talked a lot about you know like students that were like running the program and had been were sophomores or juniors they had talked about you know like how hard it is to transition and some people feel like comfortable a year in their second year or they feel comfortable right when they get there they only feel comfortable right when they're about to graduate and like that had never seemed like an like an issue to me I had always been like you know like I'm even though I've I've always just lived with my mom, like I feel like I'm pretty independent. I'm like I feel like I'm ready for like you know, living on my own and stuff. But like I was definitely just like I just didn't know anything. Like yeah, it's I can I can relate. Trust like, me. Yeah, it's like not even that it was another city because it's still in Florida, but like like northern Florida and southern Florida is like too different. I feel like too very different very too. different very yeah so you know like my freshman year I'm happy that I got through it the way I did and that I learned the things that I did and that I realized how like how difficult it is to like adjust to your environment with like a whole new demographic and like a whole new set of people but it's the college is like it's really rewarding because of all the opportunities that you have but it's also like somewhere that you have to like get comfortable in and that it's you have to like find the whole different version of yourself when you're living on your own and very true you like have to deal with well you're basically a stranger to like 90 percent of the people around you so like getting involved was like my priority but like I, I started my summer semester so summer semester is like two classes and it's like pretty chill you basically just like meet people and like I mean, you have two classes, so basically just, like, either you're going to your two classes or you're partying, like, at night because it's summer. Um, but, like, fall and spring were definitely, like, 
Oh wait, wait, you started you started the summer right after you graduated? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I was like, you're in summer classes right now? I was so confused. Okay, yeah. so you, you started during the summer. That, so you got summer admission. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it only makes sense. But I mean, campuses was definitely way more emptier during that summer, right? Like way, way more emptier. Were you living by yourself? I had a roommate and I had the same roommate all my freshman year. So, and I got along with her really well. And like, cool. we shared, we had like the same views and stuff. Like she's, she's like one of my close friends now. Like, like my roommate was awesome. I lived on campus, but um, just like, summer was kind of like you know like for fun but like when fall started and like you like actually like had to start getting involved and there's like a big involvement culture at uf mm-hmm. so yeah like, i mean when you i bet when you jumped into that, yeah i bet when you jumped into that fall semester it was just like an explosion of what the heck because the same thing was for <laughs> me i mean i joined a, like i went to um and i was a spring admin so everything was already like settled down because obviously fall semester is like the most important in a sense. Uh, but then once, you know, like I went to that fall semester of, it was like fall 2018. I I understood college more. Like I understood the college culture more because you make, so, you make these friendships uh, like your freshman year, you, you make so many friendships just with your roommates and things like that. And the people who live around you and the involvement. But one of the biggest things for me was adjusting to the demographics of, the, of everything. Because, I mean, we both went to a, what, like, Matt Arlix is like 90% Hispanic, you could say, or if not, like, a little more. So definitely going to a school that's, you know, not 98% Hispanic. Um, and it was just mostly, like, Caucasian people. And obviously, um, it was, like, a mixture of everything else. But the majority where it was white people, it was just like a big change because you understand the difference in culture I mean did you have a culture shock when you first went to UF no yeah for sure like um not just like the way people like acted it's just like I don't know it's hard to describe when you're not like Hispanic or you haven't lived in Miami but it's like a just like a different way of like interacting with people and like when you meet people it's just like I don't know I feel like when you meet a Hispanic like you can get comfortable with them really quickly and I'm not saying that like every Hispanic is like that and I'm not saying that every white person is a certain way like but just like in general like it's just like it I don't know like it's it's hard to explain if you don't like if you've never like had that shift but like uh like uh, I can I feel like a lot of first generation students can like attest to like feeling yeah. like oh do I deserve to be here or do I like with all these people who have these many connections and their parents have been at these they have like generations of like people in their family that have either like gone to this university or big time or have gone to other it's, it's, it's the connections that lead back like all those years like for us first generation students it's like we're basically I, I mean we technically it's not if we do we do deserve to be where we are you know, because obviously, like, we worked hard and we took that step to, you know, be achieve greater things. So, in a way, this is just our step one for our generation. And then for them, it's like they're step three or four. Uh, so, it, it's a little, to me, it was a little overwhelming, um, you know, interacting with all these kids that, to them, it was just another part of life. You know, like, uh, for me, I guess for me, when I was in my senior year, I wouldn't see, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as... Like, there was no college culture 
during my during my senior year you get me it's not like kids were like oh i'm gonna join this fraternity i'm gonna do this sorority uh most of it was like oh i'm gonna go to dade or fiu and obviously you had you know the, your top percentage of the class that were like striving for bigger universities and uh thankfully i was connected enough to those people that i wanted better for myself so i you know took the extra step but it was definitely a huge change and i have like one semester left and i don't regret anything you know it's like i did make those connections that i am very secure of my future and that i went to college for a reason um but i do understand what you mean when when you say it's like oh do i deserve to be here because all these kids are just on a next level and they don't even realize like how lucky they are to just be going to these sort of schools and getting these type of educations because I mean, we both experienced the, the other end of it, which is there's obviously nothing wrong with community college, but it's just everything is so much different, especially here in Miami. It just changes your transition to you, you work most of your day and then you have class. For us, it's just class and then work if you can, you know? So it, it is such a big different, it's just such a different world. And, you know, like what did you face? I don't know, how was it living with a roommate? Uh, she was, um, she was like half black, half white. Um, she was super liberal. Um, but she like, she, she was from a small town in, um, in Florida called Lakeland. Mm -hmm. So like, she like, she understood like when, like, like how weird it was for me to like, have to like come to this new environment, but it wasn't that like big of a shift for her because like where she was from it like she went to on a scholarship to like a an art school um so like most of the kids in her high school were already like white and like had like money and um she was from a small town where the majority of people weren't like like there wasn't a lot of diversity so she like she like it wasn't as she under she like I could talk to her about my struggles and like she understood like like things that I would tell her and complain about but like it like it wasn't that that like big of a shift for her because she was already like used to like being around like like a different uh like a uh, an environment that was like people who mainly didn't like have mm -hmm. a life like hers but I definitely am glad that she was my first roommate and that like like I I got to share my freshman year with her because it really helped me like feel, you know, like less alone. And there was people from my high school who went to UF. So like, I like wasn't alone. Like I, I had friends who like, I could like- just You were go going through it with them. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's actually yeah. really, really comforting. I mean, yeah, a lot of people from my lakes end up going to UF. Um, different experience in my case, because I had, I, I was just alone <laughs> in a field of, completely new people but um but like like we've said you just adapt to it and so do you feel you've grown over this year I definitely feel like I've changed a lot from like the beginning of fall to now like I've had to I've dealt with like mental health issues and like just like feeling motivated to be there and feeling motivated to like stay and is it worth it like did I make the right decision um you know it, like am I going to be able to like do everything that I want um just like comparing myself to like everyone else who's trying to do the same thing that I am at UF but I definitely feel like like sophomore year is going to be 
more you know like I'm gonna feel more comfortable and like I'm gonna I don't know like be more mode like be believe in myself more but it's just like it's it's harder than you think like it's harder than people think so like you know it's not just like all fun and like freedom and college and party and like you know it's it's a big it, change it's that, definitely a big that's change. a part of it yeah that's a part of it but there's also like times when you like your friends are in class or your friends have to do stuff and like your handful of friends and freshman year handful of people that you feel comfortable talking to or like telling them about your day or your problems and there's like the majority of the time you're just like studying alone and you're you go back to your dorm alone and you make your own food and then you study by yourself and it's like it's like an adult life but it's just like you don't you don't think of that when you're like preparing yourself to go to college and then, and then that's yeah like you the really don't reality it's it's the growing experience though of like that independence comes with a lot of responsibility and you know we've we live with our parents so we kind of it's not like everything they do everything for us but we had to do a lot more than than we thought we were going to do as being independent and like living by ourselves and um but when you go back home does your mom see the growth in you or does she still because I mean when it comes like for me like when I come back home even though I've you know experienced like I'm about to graduate so I've experienced a lot more time living by myself um my mom it's it's she sort of doesn't see the fact that like my like I had experiences that she has like no idea about like that made me grow as a person so I guess when I when I come back home, it's a little annoying because I feel like some of my freedom goes away, even though I'm used to having complete freedom. And like, I'm, I'm a very, I would say I'm a very responsible person. And I guess like, she still sees me in a way as the same, not the same completely, but sort of like how I was when I still lived here. Does that happen to you? Or how do you feel at home now? Yeah, I feel like Hispanic songs are really similar in a lot of ways. And you know, like, she does see that, like, I do think about stuff that I didn't think about before, like, and, like, she does see me as, like, she does notice that, like, I'm more independent, like, internally, but, you know, when I come home, it's, like, it's, it's her house, it's her rules, and it's, like, yeah, you could have been an adult in college, but, like, you're not like living on your own now and yeah it's kind of frustrating like you said because like you you're used to like handling most of your problems by yourself and like you you grew so much and like like you went through so much to like figure stuff out by your own like on your own and to like do stuff on your own and then you come back home and it's like they they like acknowledge that you like were able like that you're in college and you're doing that but like it's it, it kind of also feels like you're still a kid it feels like a step backwards sometimes like uh, it's it's just like in college you can go back home like at four or five in the morning no one's gonna care uh when you're back home it's a completely different story at least you know at least for me because it's just that's just how it is for some reason and I, I understand why but it, that's why a lot of it happens to mostly every college student they hate going back home because they they know what's waiting for them and sometimes responsibility sometimes it's just like annoying parents or like you know there, there could be a whole list of stuff but it's it's definitely a hassle that's why that's why like I, I guess coronavirus messed up a lot of things like internships and stuff like that uh to keep students busy so this summer just feels like a prolonged just like a prolonged unnecessary vacation if you ask me um 
Uh, unless you yeah, like, it's kind of weird. It's definitely a weird yeah. sense of, of like what to do now, because it's it's like, are things gonna open or are things not gonna open? I mean, things are slowly starting to open, but we don't know how that's gonna be in like a month and a half if anything's gonna close back down, and anything like that. But how have you been keeping busy? Well, um, like my like going through relax. finals for the, huh? Or have you just been taking the time to relax since you finished your semester? I tried to like I when I finished my semester and I went like these were the hardest finals because like these classes were like the hardest I had taken because it was my like my last semester so I, I was like super busy like when I even when I was back home um but like I tried to relax it's just like when you're used to like constantly having to do stuff and like constantly like feeling like you need to do something like when you try to like relax for like the whole day or something you're like oh I'm like you feel like you're being unproductive or you feel like you're not doing anything and then like I've tried to like you know like work out and then like start reading and I haven't gotten my driver's license yet so I like you haven't gotten your driver's license yet oh my god no. <laughs> you need Stop, to get I know that ASAP. I'm gonna turn 20 in June and I still haven't I still don't know how to drive what day in June do you turn 20 the 26th are you a Gemini or is that already? No. Oh my God. You thought I was a Gemini? I was asking like, what word does Gemini fall in? I'm a Cancer. In? Oh, okay. okay. You're like, you're like my dad. I, I mean, I'm a, I was born on the 19th. You were? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. That. That's why I'm asking. Um, but we're, you we're turned 21, right? Yeah. Finally. Are you After, excited? I am very excited. I have, it's, it's, I've gone through hell being 20 while I know so much, like pretty much everyone I hang out with, like outside of my, my Miami group is already 21. So it was very annoying just being 20. And there was a lot of failed attempts at fake IDs. Well, not a lot, but like there was two failed attempts at fake IDs. But now I feel like I can reward myself. It's like, okay, so I've been alive for 20 years and I didn't die. I guess that's my reward. <laughs> To just go where the hell I want. Good but, job. Um, I know, I know. I think I deserve it. I think I deserve it. But yeah, I'm excited. A uh, little weird situation time in because, you know, I don't know if how open things are going to be. So it's not like I can just, you know, go to a club immediately. Or, I mean, I guess yeah. that's not, I guess, I hope that doesn't happen in terms of safety for people because I still think they're making a, a big mistake like in the administration, you know, like opening up everything, like Trump said, with or without a vaccine, they're still going to open everything, which I don't think is the best thing to do. But I also don't see it. I don't see things closing again. I mean, what do you think is going to happen if things begin to spike, which they will, like it's inevitable things. Like it, it, we're still we're going to get an, like another wave of um, a spike. But what do you think? How do you think that's going to be handled? Or how would you want it to be handled? I mean, a lot of people are already dying. People are still dying. It's like people are more relaxed about the virus now, I think, because like it's not being covered as much as it was on the news. And like, like you know, media controlled a lot and like people worry less when like they're talking less about it. And they like, like the administration wants to open it. Like, and there's been like stupid rallies of like crowds of people want like wanting. It's just like, I think it's really dumb to to open everything again and to act like nothing's happening because there's so many people still dying. 
but I don't realistically I I think things are gonna start opening again um slowly like they are right now because some things are already opening and like I heard like uh bars are opening in Gainesville which is um yeah I mean Gainesville should be but, like pretty empty right now right yeah there's I think like the majority of people that are there are like people who normally live there mm -hmm. and just like a few students who like have apartments and like their lease they still but I mean I don't want to you know I don't want to spend my whole summer at home and like my like I want things to open again and like I can't imagine being here and not being able to do anything until August. Yeah, that's, that would suck. I mean, that's that's definitely not going to happen, but that would not be okay. Like, I, I would go sort of crazy if... Yeah. Yeah. But um, I do think that, like, we need to pay attention to medical experts, like a lot of ministry, administrators aren't doing. Um, we can't drink Clorox. <laughs> uh and just like i don't know it, i don't know a lot about it in terms of, like medically but i do know people are still dying and like the the virus hasn't reached its peak yet so but i do feel like when it does even when things are opening again if it reaches its peak when things are opening again i don't think they'll they'll make a big deal out of it just because like it's not like economically it's not like in their interest and yeah the administration that we have now sadly the majority just cares about you know the money the economy and yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see things closing again. I honestly really really don't see things closing again even if it gets bad. Which um is a mistake, you know, cuz you are putting lives at risk and people are still dying every day. Obviously not by, you know, as bad as it was a month ago. But still, I mean, I I do feel like it is a premature process for everything to go back to normal now. Um and it's it's going to be very interesting what happens because we're kind of in a weird gray area of this but i mean i guess it's all for the best but either way what can we really do other than wait to, for them to let us know what's yeah, happening yeah it's just yeah it's just a weird situation because like a, a lot of us has never been this in this type of situation or like we haven't like how many people can say they've like been in a pandemic and no we we are like, we are literally going through a historical event like a major historical event that's this is going to be in the newspaper not in newspapers the history books and like the kids that we have are going to learn about this and then we're going to be like oh yeah i remember being quarantined and things like that because i mean think what's look what's happening in the stock market and just this is something that the entire world had to deal with and now we have to find precautions so this doesn't happen again and it could easily happen again at any moment because just look like it, it was caused from overcrowding of animals and people and things like that and you know it's not like these countries are going to be super safe with these things again it's not like what this happened once they're like oh shit we must like you know make sure it doesn't happen again people are careless you know very very careless so i don't see you know it just goes to show how easily something like this can spread and how terribly prepared prepared most of the countries in the world were, were like were for this and it really took a hit on a lot of things it slowed down so many industries so many people actually lost their jobs like i guess i mean for me i don't felt i didn't feel it as much my family it's not like my family lost their jobs and things like that and we were suffering but i know a lot of people did and um like all the small businesses that had to close down even though we don't see about it every day in, in the news but like this it didn't impact a lot of people so we definitely just went through like a huge huge event and it could happen again 
it could happen again so very easily. It has happened. I mean, I saw a doc- this documentary on Netflix about like COVID-19 and it's like supposedly coronavirus is a strand of virus that mm-hmm. like, like has been in bats for like years now and it's happened but like in just a few cases and like just a few countries and like scientists like had warned us like repeatedly about like it getting worse and something like this happened but like you know we didn't care um and like it, it sucks even more that like we have a government that's reactionary not precautionary so like we deal with shit after it happens not we don't try to prevent it so I do think that like if we don't learn from this and if we don't like really look at why this happened and like with all the resources that we have medically and scientifically how this got so bad if we don't like really like critically think about our actions and the way that like it's leading to things like this and, like with the environment and everything then it's just going to happen in 10 5 or like 30 years but like two times worse so yeah. I, I think it, it's definitely like a, a thing that like has to open our eyes hopefully or I don't know we're either going to grow from it or it's just going to make things worse in the future. I don't see humans growing from this honestly it's it's very very unlike I feel like in our lifetime we'll probably see this happen again. I don't know how many Sadly. times and I don't want to say how many times because it could be a gross misunderstanding but I feel like in our lifetime I think we'll probably see it happen again. I don't I mean there's only every single day you know the world becomes more populated and a lot of things get destroyed and then animals are pushed back to where they're not supposed to be because of us destroying earth. And, um, you know, it's obviously there could be as many, uh, groups and organizations built around helping the earth and preserving the earth and, you know, uh, saving the trees and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's not that, um, it's not like I see the glass half empty, but I do see how in, very very hard it is to preserve the environment when all these big companies are every single day destroying the earth for resources so i don't i it's it's, it's crazy because you really don't know where we're going to be in like 50 years and how this can be stopped it's just how do you take down billion dollar companies you know from deforestation and taking space and you know all these animals are going extinct and getting pushed back and that's exactly why you have countries like china where you have you know a big amount of hunger happening, which causes people to start eating exotic animals, which, you know, leads to these sort of things. So it's not like, like I said, I don't, I don't see it getting better in any time near. And it's, it's very hard to, it's, it's definitely very hard to, to control. And even like, I feel like a lot of people look to the very rich for help. Like I see a lot on Twitter. I want to ask your opinion. I feel like I, I, I really enjoy asking this opinion, but like, you know, when people on Twitter, like they say, oh, eat the, re- eat the rich and Jeff Bezos shouldn't have this much money and things like that. And, you know, he could earn world hunger. How do you, how do you view that? So, yeah, it is a controversial, like, opinion. Um, I do think, sadly, like the the most power to like make changes like that actually happen and like to like the biggest hope that we have is you know like the biggest and fastest like solution is to like get big corporations to be on our side and like people with power to like like you know help causes about the environment and stuff but i do think that like there's a way to you know to like not let that be the case and you know like not 
let corporations have such a big say because at the end of the day like corporations have such a big impact on like the things that go on because they are directly related to our government and they are, they have so many capitalist ties with like government representatives so like please everyone like please go out to vote like you don't understand how important that is and how much of like a change just like one single vote can make and although it's not the ideal situation that we're in and like the representatives aren't the ones that like everyone wanted especially with our age especially with bernie having to you know leave like i feel like you know anything's better than trump like i don't know it's just like are you are you hopeful that you know things could go our way this election like honest thoughts are you hopeful um i'm like 80 percent sure that 70 percent sure that he's not like gonna get it like that Trump is going to say just because like historically like when we're in a crisis like this people like don't want to like deal with another change and like another like problem and more instability so they just like pick the person that's already in power to like Mm -hmm. like just feel safer but it, it could we could make that change and we could like be that generation that's like we're not happy with how things are being dealt this problem is caused by inadequate like officials and it's getting worse and it's things are not going to improve if we don't change the the decisions we're making um but i don't know if like americans or the majority of people are like there yet or are willing to you know like let go of their ego a little bit and you know just like think about the greater good oh they're not i don't think so i don't think so whatsoever i mean it's 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 a very difficult country to deal with especially with the lack of education and so much ignorance and things like that so it's it is unfortunate that it's come to like that everything like had to happen election year and we've seen you know it, it the people who dropped out of the race and it's not like I'm too big into politics that I can tell you like everything exactly that's going to happen or has happened or my predictions, but I don't see since with the entire virus things, I don't see the elections being on the number one priority of Americans this year for some, like this doesn't feel that way. And I know we're still, I mean, relatively we're not early to the whole election process because I mean, you know, campaigns are had to be ran and uh, the debates haven't happened, but as of right now, they don't, it doesn't feel like an election year. So, that's why I, I want to know if like how, are people hopeful, you know, if 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 Trump can be taken out of office because I mean anything is better than Trump, but it just doesn't feel like the priority of many Americans right now. Which yeah, is it's sadly not. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Like my generation gives me a lot of hope. I like our generation, but at the same time, like people talk a lot and like people said so many things on social media in 2016 but at the end of the day look who got elected and because people just didn't show up like people yeah. just didn't like if you appreciated what the obama administration did so much and if you like really like were thankful for everything every change that they were able to accomplish then you would have like honored that by going out to vote like that's the least you could have done for him true that's the least you could have done for like the the four years that he did and like the things that he he accomplished for us just like literally go out to vote um and just people just didn't do that because they still think that it's not enough just their vote or they took it they didn't take the election that seriously um but people who did take the election seriously which were sadly like the other 
the other side they they won and they they got who they wanted um but i mean hopefully they they were driven the people who voted for trump they were driven i think out of like um you know like i guess like passion for like a lot of people that like didn't want a black president and didn't want didn't want like what obama stood for like everything that he did and they were like so mad about it and they were so like they didn't think that it was like such an it was a complete opposite so it was just they had something to rally behind that was just completely fitting to their mindset and the lack of it. it is just like like i remember we talked about it with liam in my second podcast it's just the lack of education in this country affects us greatly and that's ultimately you know the biggest problem we face especially during elections there is people that are completely insane in this country and it's just like i i experience it every like not every day but very 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 it's not rare for me to experience like someone that says some outlandish like shit like today i was just helping my dad and we were just picking up an appliance for some from some place and this guy it's like an older man uh colombian older man that he was just talking to my dad about something and he, he's like oh i used to smoke uh like he was a smoker and then he said he quit smoking not because he wanted to but because it got too expensive he's like oh it's seven bucks a pack right and my dad is like oh you know they should they should up the price so people could stop smoking and he's like no why would they do that like smoking doesn't kill anybody that's just that's just uh that's just the alliances against like tobacco companies and stuff like that it's like oh i've smoked for years and my family smokes he's like it's it's, it's good it doesn't kill you and he was 100 percent sure that you know lung cancer wasn't a thing because of smoking and things like that and he also said that the coronavirus was just uh overhyped and it was just a hoax so you know like someone here in miami which is you know a very diverse place had those thoughts imagine the rest of america it's just we're around people because obviously we go to very progressive colleges and we're around a very um blue community but in the rest of america it's pretty much the opposite and the youth is uh, i guess i guess us since we have to adapt to a new lifestyle we we make our own we, we could have different mindsets than our parents because um we're our education was different than theirs but we're that that's good because we can actually talk to our parents about our education and maybe like lead them the right way and teach them things how they it is but the other kids like the the kids who just grow up in normal you know your normal american lives if your if your family is a trump support uh, supports trump for whatever reason it's going to be very easy for you to fall into that mindset because more than likely everything around you is going to be red so yeah it's it's just we fall into such a big problem when it comes to that and it's not just that like celebrities during this time have been like the biggest like you know i think eye openers to like how stupid the people that we praise are like so some celebrities have done like did you hear like dr phil was like people smoke people this many people die of smoking this many people die in car accidents this many people die of like drowning every year so why is coronavirus such a big deal jesus he Christ. literally said that yeah and like i forgot where he was invited but it was like somewhere where like that like considered him like an official doctor like people literally think that doctor feels that's outrageous that's outrageous that that should just get his like if if americans weren't stupid his his show would be off the air immediately but you know money and (laughs) ah 
it's it's stupid. It's I think so that's dumb. a big reason why Trump won too. Like I I I do think he's an idiot, but I think he's like mm. he was smart in the way that like he catered to most Americans. And he knew he knew exactly you know? who he was going to target, and yeah. it worked. It worked. And sadly, you know, the other side is left to suffer the consequences of such a divided country. And you know, this just his whole presidency is definitely you know another major historical event that we've had to go through growing up um it almost just feels like there's so many things happening all at once and it just it just makes you wonder what's going to happen in like the next 20 years which is it's insane because so much could happen in the next 20 years like the change of presidencies and the continuing like the aftermath of this presidency like what is it going to lead to you know more division or you know it's i guess the racist was really brought out in this presidency and that's what a lot of the people don't understand like i i know people who voted for trump and they aren't hateful people, you know, if anything, you know, yeah. if anything, I can still have a conversation with them because they're educated enough to form their own thoughts and come to the conclusion that they want to vote Trump. You know, they're not yeah. ignorant. They're not, you know, dumb. They're just, that. that's just how, what they believe. Um, but I guess the worst part about it is that most of them just don't understand how the symbol of hate it creates like that, that whole presidency creates. And that's, that's the main issue with me. It's just that having someone like that in office really just divides our country even more. And it builds a stigma every day in society. And it's not a pretty sight. It doesn't make us look good as a country, especially the progressive country that we are. It's just, it's not a pretty sight for other people to just be like, Oh, America's that divided and have this many issues. Like what's going on? You know, we're supposed to be like the best country in the world. It doesn't really seem that way. And I hope it, I hope it doesn't seem that way to other like, countries like in Europe and things like that. But, that's the world we live in and we can't really do much about it yet, but it's, it's annoying. Yeah. It's just like the bad, the one of the worst things is like, like this administration has made people feel more comfortable with just being ignorant and just like, like people, it has like, um, I mean, Trump like says things that are like non-factual and just like, just stupid, like straight up stupid, like every single day. Um, and like it's like it's motivated people to do the same uh, but i think the worst thing is people who are actually educated and who like you can actually have a debate with they also rationalize it and it's just like that's crazy that's the scary part because the people who are actually educated could like that could be the what leads to you know more people thinking that way because you know like I don't want to compare it to like Hitler, but you know, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of educated people who believed in the Nazi regime, and it was because it, it was rationalized, and he wasn't a dumb person; he was just good at what he did. So, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, it's just crazy to think about all that. But I'm still, I, I'm not that. I don't think we'll get to that point, and I feel like we've come such a long way to like just go all the way back. And to like not do anything, especially with like our generation and people growing from our generation who are growing up and who are like acquiring power and are being smart about how they use their like privilege and their social status. So there are all lost. All hope is not lost. And yeah, I do. I do have. I like. I don't want to just say you know just because this is happening and just because there's so many people who are like, like who think like that that like it's not worth doing anything because i think that's the worst thing um to to think that it's not it, like because the, the majority is thinking a certain way then like 
what's the point but I mean the biggest like social movements historically like Martin Luther King just like all the feminist waves they've come out of um societies that like the majority don't support it and the majority are like think that they're crazy and that you know that believe otherwise so I think it could be a really good opportunity for people who are actually passionate it's just about like being passionate enough to do some something about it I completely completely agree and it's just it's just a matter of time like nothing gets solved in you know one day or a month so I guess we just have to wait and see but it is very important you know to rally up the forces and go vote because at the end of the day like that's the only thing that's going to give us a voice so it is very very important but um moving on to the next subject um so at the beginning before we started the podcast we were talking about you know the whole call her daddy controversy and stuff like that and you had some thoughts on that what were your thoughts well not the controversy just the podcast in general so what's up with that yeah so, like, I heard about it, like, in college and stuff, and, like, people, you know, girls who, like, are feminists like me and who, you know, have a lot of my views, like, liking the podcast, and um, I, like, I haven't really, like, like, listened to a bunch of of their podcasts. I think I listened to, like, the first one and the second one just to see, you know, what people were talking about, and, like, so, look, I don't have anything against, like, women, like, like if if like I'm for me like I if anything I want like I think that women should be more comfortable about their sexuality and like women talking about like their sexual life and their private life like as freely as men and as publicly as men it, it is yeah. something that should be normalized and it's something that like we have to start you know looking as and I, and I would men. say if you're aware of the podcast like for those who are aware of it I think it did normalize it in a way because it was just it was just another stream of media that anybody really can tune into and listen to these stories yeah. and listen to these tips as you know as some as they could be over the top but I still think it was a cool way to like normalize something you know a step further when it comes to you know just being a woman and dealing with men and you know like uh, all these issues that come not issues but all these steps that come with it and i do think it was a cool idea do you think they presented it in the best way possible or like where does you know we'll continue with your opinion so i don't have a problem with it being like super casual and with it being like with a lot of things that like people our age can relate to it's just like the people who are given the platform just like so I mean as far as I know I mean the the blonde girl like when she started the podcast she was like a blogger from home and she and then I don't know what else she was basically just unemployed and I think she just had money from her family and and the other girl worked at a a firm or something but they basically just had like privilege and money to get like the podcast actually be a thing and to get um like to let Barstool, I think that's what the company yeah, is it's Barstool. to let them to let them do it. But I do think that like feminists and women um, who are activists have been trying to like get a platform for so long to talk about like women's sexuality and women's issues. And I don't think we're at a point yet where it's like all the basic things like with the hashtag Me Too movement and like the whole consent. Um, like dilemma where it was a big deal and people giving it backlash about like people being more aware about consent and all the sexual assault cases those happened but i don't think like they people grew that much from it yeah Yeah. and i don't think that like 
we learned from like that small amount of time that that was like in the public eye. I don't think we were able to progress enough to like like solve that issue because it still happens a lot to young girls and to girls especially in college the whole sexual assault like culture is such a big issue and you know my opinion if it was if the podcast wasn't as explicit as it was i don't think it would have gotten as much as much attention as much attention as it did because i think part of it and why barstool picked it up is because it was really explicit and you know i guess the youth likes to hear things things like that you know things just given to them freely instead of in a in a formal educated way even though it's it's that that wasn't the whole theme of the podcast but i do feel like if something that you were talking about uh like you know something that you feel hasn't been covered in the media yet was implemented it definitely wouldn't blast off with so much success that quick you know it's 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 because it's it's not even though it sent even though it's the same topic in a way just given in a different um tone it's still appealing to a different audience. And I just don't think there's as much audience as there was for, for something like call me, like call her daddy. Yeah. I just don't like, there's, you see like frat guys using the thing like hashtag call her daddy, but then they like, they don't believe in like rape victims and like consent or whatever. And it's like, okay. Like I, I understand like it's a whole different thing. And like, the things that they they just talk about their sex lives and like the conversation is like casual you know it's like if you were talking to your friends about your life but they do have a platform and they do uh in in a way represent you know like so they could have done more so they could have done way more with the platform you you think yeah and just like i saw one that was like they were talking about um like girls who are fives and sixes and girls who are like nines and tens like rating girls i guess and like what like a five and a six oh they were doing that like they were rating girls to one through ten they weren't rating them but they were talking about like you know fives and sixes have to like work harder when they sleep with someone or they have to yeah i don't think that should ever be as a guy like and trust me like i as one of my experiences like i fucked up one time i rated a girl and i never got the end of it (laughs) so top yeah 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 yeah. like top 10 mistakes a guy could ever make and it's pretty easy to understand that obviously you know like it's just part of growing up i guess and like being a guy sometimes you know like that guy mentality does kick in and things like that happen but you know with today's society with so much being about looks and uh presence overall online and how you look and this and that i think that i didn't even know that that they would do something like that i think that is actually very dangerous because i mean anyone has access to podcast anyone and anyone has access to the internet so how detrimental could it be for a 13 year old girl to think she's a six or something like that you, you get me like that's that's very not progressive in a way and i understand why they would say because they do seem like the type of people to bring something like that up in their podcast but i just don't think that that could be correct you know like that's that's very just sensitive topic when you really want to think about it yeah and they've also like done interviews with logan paul and like they like are friends with him which is like i he literally has no respect for women whatsoever um so like look i there's people criticizing them because of like because of their, because they're promiscuous and they're basically like slut shaming them and they don't think women should be talking like that about their sexual lives. I don't have a problem with that. No, I, I don't have a problem with that, that at all, but it's just, yeah, you know, like something like what you just told me, that's, that's a little problematic. 
yeah it's just like the way they like do it like what what was their intention like what's your intention of the podcast like I get it, it's like supposedly it's to like be liberating for women's sexuality and to like normalize it but like you're also like you have to think about like the impact that you're having if you're getting such a huge platform and like you have to think about your point of privilege and like they're too attract like they got I think most of the attention they got was because they're two young attractive girls like really attractive girls like I don't think the the podcast would have gotten that much popularity at all if they weren't attractive yeah correct um, I mean I don't think so I don't think at all either it's just yeah they knew what they were doing so in a like sense. yeah and it's like I I think they just like they're like become like any like social media influencer and they say controversial things and they like talk about controversial topics. I think mostly for the clout. I don't think they're actually doing it because they want to like progress women's issues or anything. And like, whatever, like if you want to do that, like that's fine. Like that doesn't have to be your life. And like, that doesn't like have to be your agenda, but just like be like, if you have that big of a platform, then be more aware of things that you say, like, like talking about how big your ass is and how unattractive that is to young girls you know like yeah even though that wasn't the mission statement if they really cared about you know like women and you know all the aspects of being a woman i think they could have been a little more careful with what they you know put online even though it's part of barstool i've never seen anything made by barstool that's like super progressive but even then you know they did have a platform and it was it just never seemed like they wanted to take um like uh things like the, the things that you just mentioned and the things that we've talked about throughout this entire podcast uh things that are overall important to women and just the progressiveness of it all i just think they could have done a a little bit of a better job not a little bit if they if anything if they actually cared like i said before they could have done way more but either way that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case anymore cuz you know they pretty much split up um yeah, and I didn't just, know that. Yeah, and it just goes to show how much, you know, how much you could portray, you know, every every podcast they would be like, "Oh, super best friends, this and that." But at the end of the day, they seemed like they were backstabbing not one the people at Barstool, but at the end they ended up backstabbing themselves because different ideologies of where they wanted to take the podcast and um yeah, it just doesn't seem like they were, at the end of the day, very genuine people towards each other, even though they wanted to portray on social media and through this major podcast that they were just best friends and things like that. So it really goes to show how you can't really believe everything you see. I mean, no one's going to post a bad part of their life on social media. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. just have to understand that because, I mean, it's not like everyone's life is perfect, which is, it's impossible. Even if you have billions, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, even if you have billions of dollars, you still yeah. have things to worry about. But um, another question that I wanted to ask you, and um, it's a it's a little bit of a of um, not as a sore subject, but it's there's a lot of controversy of it online because everyone has like their different opinions. But um, we don't have. I mean, it does. I don't think you you'll take it like that. But like, there's you know this big rise with the website OnlyFans. What do you think? Like, what do you think? Like, honest opinions or what do, what do you think about it? So I don't know a lot about it. <clears throat> I don't know a lot about the policies or how it works. I, I know it's like a place where like, it, like, mistake me if I'm wrong, like girls like post like 
explicit selfies they're like nudes and they're like people have to pay f- for a subscription or something to be able to see them um I think girls like if you want to do that and like if you want to take pictures of yourself and like profit off of that like go off like like yes um just like I heard a lot of girls complaining about like they're not being like privacy enough privacy like people can screenshot their photos and just like spread them and then like ruin their whole you know business because like people are sharing it um so it's like what's the point of buying a subscription if like a friend already took a screenshot of it um yeah I mean it's just like I trust that everyone's like like uh, everyone that's doing it is just like they're like women and they're independent and like they can like they know what they're doing with and their choices and stuff I'm just like like in terms of career like I could never do that just because well personally like I just wouldn't feel comfortable and then also I want to be a politician hopefully and like that just like would not yeah that would be destructive you know, so yeah, that's exactly so. like the point. The only issue I have with it, you know, like I, I, I think it's like, it's okay. You can do whatever you want. And if you're happy, you know, making this money yeah. then go ahead and, you know, just, it, it's definitely something that society has become more like we're, we're adapting to this because it, it, it does seem like something fairly new and it does seem like it's spreading a lot. But the only issue I think is other than, you know, like privacy being invaded and things being spread or you know like the product is not being paid for so it's spread because i mean screenshots and the internet just works in crazy ways that nothing is really private because once you put something yeah. in the internet it's it's going to be there not once it's not it's, it's going to be there forever like a delete button is really not a delete button um yeah. especially nowadays people can go back eight years and find out anything that you want that they want so the only problem i see is you know 10 or 15 years down the line or even less you know let's say one of these girls wants to do something like for example something like you become a politician something like that could have could hinder their ability to do so very very easily because it's like you're kind of hiding a dead a skeleton unless you know you don't want other people to say like see it that's the only thing i see it's like the long long long-term effects of it and i feel like a lot of people don't think about the long-term effects of something like that because we live in a world where the internet and computers and technology just advances at such a rapid pace that mm-hmm. things don't go away whatsoever. So it's, it could be, it's, it's just, it just seems a little dangerous to put such, you know, so many things out there. And I, the only, and also another issue is, you know, I see a lot of arguing online about, you know, it's like, Oh, like nudes aren't the only thing that's available on OnlyFans. Like so many people could take uh, advantage of such a website. But real, like realistically, what I mean, realistically, so many things that you see when it's related to OnlyFans is explicit content. I've never really seen anyone use the platform for anything else, so I don't believe that argument is valid, in my opinion. You know, like what? Like what else? Exactly. What else can you offer in an app like that? Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. Unless, unless like you're your social media influencer and you're like, oh, pay my OnlyFans so you can see me post something you know, completely unrelated. It's just, it just, I, yeah. I hate that argument because it's not true. Like YouTube exists. It's not like people are going to move from YouTube to OnlyFans so they can see a tutorial on how to paint a keyboard white or black. You know, it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Yeah, so yeah. that argument, in my opinion, and it's, it's such a heavy, it's just everything you say can be used against you in so many ways because people have such different opinions about it. But I mean, I just wanted to ask what It's like going to Pornhub to like watch a movie. Like you're not gonna, you know, there's, there's other ways you can do that. 
Yeah. Um, I do like so in my gender and and uh, international relations class, I actually we had to write like a a final like ten page paper, and um, mine was about sex work, you know, like prostitutes and like sex works internationally, and that's actually a big debate in the feminist community. Um, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think about um, sex work being legalized? I mean, it's it's the same it's the same thing. To I mean, let me see, because this is really the first time I can like I can have an opinion because it's not like I have these conversations every day. But I mean, I think yeah, it's totally I mean, okay because at the end of the day, if that's how you choose to make money, um, then it, it's your right to do whatever you want with your body. At the end of the day, it is your right to do with what you want with your body. That's I mean, I'm. <laughs> I I have to be pro-choice because I I don't see the point of being restricted. Like I'm not a girl, so I don't face those issues. But even with something like abortion, I can never understand feeling restricted to something that I want to do to myself or use my body in this and A, B, or C to make money or to like live a certain life. So I don't see it as a bad thing whatsoever. Like I just said, I always just focus on the long-term effects of any of these careers and the life it could lead you. It's like, I don't have a problem with someone selling drugs right now to make a little bit of money but before you know it you could spiral down a whole other path of life and to be somewhere where you actually don't want to be or be put in danger because of this and that so it's just it's just a matter of how far it's it's just a matter of to me it's a matter of how far are you willing to take this and for how long and what is your overall goal at the end but overall i don't see anything wrong with sex work being legalized because i mean it will, with the rise of internet and social media, how many how many porn stars don't have Instagram accounts or Twitter accounts that they just post whatever they want and they post them freely because at the end of the day that is their job, and if they're happy doing it, then they're happy doing it. At the end of the day, that why why would I why would I invade someone else's pri- uh, happiness, you know? Which is I wish everyone had that mentality of you know like just leave them alone. But my most important thing is just the long term, and if you want to change your career, because yeah. a lot of, a lot of these things are. Because I see a lot of the girls who are starting the uh, these accounts, they're not even like, they're not even like 22. You don't know what you yeah. want at 28. So that's that's the problem. Yeah. Like what what's gonna happen in in so and so years, and you have all this information online that anyone can really, if they wanted to, anyone can have and find. So yeah, that those are my honest. Well, thoughts. like yeah. I mean, going back to sex work, like, I used to think the same thing you did. I mean, I, like, I didn't know much about it, but I was, like, you know, like, if they want to do that, like, it's just, like, stripping. Like, I thought, you know, like, that's their body. Like, if they want to do that, then that's their choice. Um, But, like, after taking, like, a lot of, like, feminist classes in college and, like, classes about violence against women and, like, issues women face internationally. So, like, the sex work market has been like a big thing like historically like of course because sex sells that's like the number one thing that's always going to be in the market yeah and like i read a a lot of stuff and i learned a lot of stuff that i didn't know before like there's like prostitution camps and like military bases in the u.s and like and military bases like around the world just for like the military men to be able to like release their like i guess sexual tension on like women that are native to that country um and a lot of these women never had you know a say in like that or they just like they didn't have any other like like choice job opportunity 
in their country so they want to feed their family and even if they pay them like what's equivalent to two dollars for like sleeping with like 10 men you know like if that's the only way you have of getting money then like you're gonna do it it's very degrading and sometimes that just they don't see it that way because of the circumstances that they are in life but before you continue there's there was something else that i forgot to mention and i guess that's this is the main point of of argument online is that if you really want to hustle and make money that's not the only way to you know like i, I mean i i don't you know i don't count it as you know oh i don't have a job so i'm going to do this it, it seems like an easy scapegoat if you ask me and um i understand that it's a very controversial thing but honestly, I mean, I have, a, I have this, like, I'm trying to create a platform for complete honesty. And that's why I invite people to just be honest about certain things. But I just don't see it as a valid, you, you create this thing because you want money, but you, and you put effort into, I yeah. guess, you know, how much, I don't know how much effort you can really, you can calculate to that goes into something like this, but you can put a, that much effort into something else and grow that in the process and not have to rely on that. Because I mean, I remember I saw a video the other day and, and then on Twitter and it was a guy and he's like, Oh, like, she's like, Oh, you broke up with me. And he's like, Oh, cause you made this account. And I told you not to. And he's like, Oh, are you, and she's like, Oh, are you going to pay my rent? It's like, at the end of the day, we live in America yeah. when you could do a lot of things. And I understand yeah. times are tough, but so many people were taking her side and so many people were taking his side, but yeah. that drastic opinion of, Oh, uh, like it's okay because this is the only way to make money when realistically it's really not. And yeah. the media just feeds into this because it is becoming more normal for girls to have yeah. uh, girls and guys. Uh, what am I talking about? Like, and it's, yeah. it's, it's just, well, that's another thing. Yeah. Okay. So like, one of my issues with that is like how many women and how many men are prostitutes you know what's the proportion yes there's some male prostitutes but like can you say it's 50 50 no can you even say it's like 6 80 50 you can't like there's probably internationally like five percent of all sex workers are women i mean five percent of all sex workers are men so it's just like there's there's a new law passed in canada where um sex work used to be legal but now they changed it where if you're a man and you like buy like you you buy a sex work or you 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 pay a sex worker you could go to jail but if you're the sex worker you don't get any penalty mm-hmm. and that was like in an attempt it's kind of like paradoxical because it's like how are they gonna you know do yeah. that if, but um it's to like protect the sex workers and protect their identity and their safety and that's a big argument with like people who are pro-sex work um is you know like a lot of women are still doing it and it still happens it's just like if it's not regulated women are under more risk of you know dying or under more risk of like being like assaulted and of experiencing violence in their job because if they can't go to the cops and be like you know this man like strangled me or this man did this to me because they're gonna be like why you know and they're gonna have to say you know why they were doing it so I I but I don't think that legalizing it is the I think legalizing it would be the easy solution just you know like make it legal and then you can regulate it like it's only legal in the U.S. and Nevada and Las Vegas Mm -hmm. So like, and I saw this documentary where they interviewed like women uh, in like a really popular, um, um, I forgot what it's called, the place where they, 
brothel in a really popular brothel in Nevada and a lot of them were like um they were doing their masters they were doing their PhDs they were they weren't women who were like uneducated and mm -hmm. they were doing it they saw it as a short-term thing to like pay their bills or to like work you know but like you also see the documentary and like the owner of the brothel is like a 50 year old man and he picks who works there um in order for them to get a client they all have to line up in their wow. like underwear and the man chooses and you know i mean you can say that that doesn't affect someone if they are choosing to go into sex work and you can say that you know like women are willingly doing it but you also have to realize like these are humans and like like imagine yourself in that situation and imagine if you don't get any clients that day and you're like is it because i looked bad or is it because you know whatever and you they asked one of the sex workers like what do you want like because she talks about you know like not being ashamed of what she does and you know it's a hard job but like she's openly you know talks about it and they're like what do you want your if your daughter told you that she wanted to do this or if, like a young girl watching this like got inspired by you what do you want them to do this and she was like 100 percent no like this is not a job that's like like it doesn't help you in any way like physically you're not seen as a role model you're not seen as a role model yeah yeah and i don't think it's because they're doing sex and they're doing sex work and they're talking about you know their sexual life i just think it's because it's inherently an institution that was like created by men for men um like for the pleasure of men and i think yeah a lot of people are supporting it now because it's like it's it's convenient for them to to you know feed you the idea of like it's your own choice and you're you're like taking your own destiny into your hands by like choosing to do that but like i i feel like you can't like just like legalize it and like just make it like a normal thing when there's so many places around the world where young girls the ages of like 10 to even like eight years old are being married off to like older men there's mail order brides from like countries that are like they don't have a lot of them are sex trafficked um there's women who are being like killed and then like because like a like a young male in a family dies in like a, a country in asia and then a woman is killed literally just because they don't want to bury him by himself like wow. things like that are happening in the world and that is really that is just, I, I didn't even know things like that happen that is that is actually really eye-opening because it's 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 so it's because we don't experience any of that but like other people do and they don't understand yeah. why it's just that's the society that we're born in and yeah. changing that would take so much. So it is, I understand, I understand that perspective now of like, but yeah, so, so is normalizing it. So is normalizing it like a step forward or a step backwards then? I feel like you can't, so I feel like we can do things like Canada and other countries can do things like that where they're like, they, they're best they're, they're looking out for the the victims and they're 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 focusing on the women's experience and like you also have to you can't just like legalize it and be like why are women why are the women like why do they think this is their only option why are so many women thinking that this is the only way they can make a living um is it really a profession that makes women feel empowered and and like is it really something that makes women like 
feel happy about their everyday life and about the way they deal with their body and the connection they have with their sexual life because at the end of the day if you're in sex work and like you're a woman and you're doing sex work like you can't tell me that your like personal sex life is not affected by your dog yeah it's impossible it's impossible i mean so many interviews with porn stars um they talk about that because at the end of the day like they it's 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 a it's difficult to mix to not mix work that type of work with your personal like love life it's just it's impossible it it affects every everything uh to a great extent of just your physical well-being so it's 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 so difficult to just think about what they have to go through at some points just to adapt to that life yeah and it's like some women like i i i saw i read this thing about like a a, a woman who like was like a, a scholar and she like was a sex worker and she was also a scholar like a feminist scholar because she got a degree but she was like talking about it being like you know empowering and stuff but then you also like they asked her questions about like the number of times she had been physically assaulted the number of times she like was non-consensually you know um touched in 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 her job and stuff and like it was overwhelming like it was like more than half of her experience had had some form of like violence so it's like you can't I don't think the the solution is to just like make it normal I think the solution is to address the issues that are going on and then I feel like once we we've like taken care of most of like the problems that are going on with women's violence and sexual violence against women then i feel like after that maybe we can you know consider a job like that as something normal and as something that's yeah that's going to be beneficial for women it's a step-by-step thing but right now it does seem like we're not close to it because society just takes things like this in such a such alternate routes that it just you really have to think about everything that's going on in order to put it down one straight path but you know everyone has such different ideas and ideologies as to what's right and what's not right and uh everyone has such a different definition of empowerment in my opinion and yeah. i don't know if that's well no, it's definitely overall not good for the goal of you know what people like you try to achieve you know what what is the right level of empowerment for women and who can be the right role models especially now with you know instagram and all these influencers that look a certain way and everyone looks a certain wants to look a certain way and just the extremes um like maybe so for our last topic of conversation that i just really thought about because I, I was thinking of ending it there but this is just one of the extremes that i've seen it's that you know adele like music singer adele she recently yeah, like, yeah. like the whole thing that happened you know she posted a picture she lost a hundred pounds of weight which is incredible which is incredible so obviously you know people start talking about it's like oh you look beautiful you look this you know like first of all congratulations to her because it takes so much dedication to lose a hundred pounds of weight a hundred pounds of weight that's that's dedication and congrats to her she does look great but then there's those people that are going to be like oh does she not look great before like why are you (laughs) congratulating her like this and that it's just that's such an extreme why can't you congratulate her for such a massive achievement? Like if I guess, yeah. yes, she did look good before, but I'm hundred percent sure she transitioned. She, she, she wanted to transition to how she is now for a reason. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. the, you know, that empowerment thing can be confused in so many different ways that yeah. it's, it's so hard to, to build that movement around. So it's, so to end it all, where do you hope 
this empowerment movement is in the next 10 years? Like, what do you, what, what ideas would you have for, for the future of women's empowerment? You know, like you started this in a, in a high school club, what would you like to be done internationally or just even in the United States or something just small scale, like at a college, you know, like with all these ideas and so many influencers blasting these sort of body types that everyone has to look a certain way. It's just, how do you, yeah. how do you think you can stop that? Or how do you think you can actually make it so that it's, it's progressive? Yeah. So I feel like, like it's really important to just listen to the women, like just listen to specific stories, listen to women who have to say things, who are going through stuff, who whatever, like has anyone asked Adele if she wanted that? Like, does she feel like she looks better? Like, isn't that the only thing that matters that she thinks she looks better? So just things like that. I just feel like with the power that our society has to spread ideas, a lot of people think that it's their like duty to like make people like do right for people and like be the voices of people and I do think a lot of misrepresented and undermined people who never had a platform are able to have a platform now because people who are like have been empowered before are, are like diverse like the people who have a voice now are more diverse and like are willing to speak for them so I do think that's a, a plus but I do think that the feminist movement has a it, it can only go forward, I think, if we stop generalizing. And, like, a lot of people generalize that it's, you know, we feminists hate men and that it's an anti-men thing and that, it like, definitely isn't. feminist is a woman's thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, the whole body positivity thing, I think it's really, social media is, I think it's can be really toxic a lot of the time. It is toxic. And Twitter is a toxic place. Yeah. So is Instagram most of the time, but mostly Twitter because so many people are hypocrites, but continue. Yeah. So really just like me, like when I'm on social media too much and I'm like there the whole day, like when I'm off it, I feel like it gives me more anxiety. It makes me feel worse about myself it like makes me feel less connected with the people around me than if I like go out with friends and like actually like do productive things like so I think the going back to the whole body positivity thing I do think you know I'm happy that like we've we're like going against norms established before about like being super skinny and looking a certain way like a model and stuff you know I, I think it's really good that we're we're going against that because that wasn't a healthy image a lot of the times but we also have to like are we promoting just like the opposite of that or are we promoting health so like is it healthy to have a body that's uh, like 90 percent like surgically modified you know is that because that's as unrealistic as being anorexic is for girls you know it's just like you can't have kylie jenner's body naturally like i'm sorry it's just like and she wants to do it, like, it, that's fine because, you know, it's her body and she can do whatever she wants, but that shouldn't be the norm for girls. Um, also, like, I don't know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this, but it's like, like, I, I'm 100% for plus size and for being more inclusive to sizes and brands. But I do think that, like, was it okay for Glamour to put at the cover of their magazine at some point someone who's like morbidly obese like is yeah. that something healthy healthy that we're promoting it's like, not i mean i mean I, I don't think it's healthy whatsoever i think that's one of the extremes yeah. because yeah you're somehow saying that being that uh 
unhealthy or that, you know, just, just that body type is okay. And it, at the end of the day, it's not like, think about all the health obstacles that she has to go through. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's an intense life. And yeah, people should never get to that point because that that's just putting your body and your life at risk. And that that's, that's an extreme that like, I agree with you. It shouldn't have been, a, it shouldn't have been like that. And obviously people are going to have divided opinions as to, Oh my God. Yeah. She looks amazing. Totally cool for body yeah. positivity. But there is, there's a limit to this body positive positivity thing. And I think as a society, yeah. it's, it shouldn't be that hard to tell what, where the limit lies, you know? Yeah. By saying that it's like, it's not saying that she doesn't look beautiful and it's not saying that people who are a certain way or have a certain body type are not beautiful. It's just like, what are, you know, like, what are we promoting? Like, what are we teaching young girls? Like, do they have to look a certain way because like, uh, like that's what's going to be progressive now? Like, do you have to only be fake to fake to be attractive or like, is your body okay? Like, is your, like, if you naturally don't have like, like your hips like that or whatever, you know, like, is, is that okay? And I think uh, like the people who have who have become like social media influencers and like who literally are earning like millions of dollars just from posting pictures every day and getting brand deals like I think you know that's a great opportunity for people you know to like become economically independent and to like use a platform like that but it's also like where like there's so many other people like in society that are doing so much and are not earning half of that or even like a quarter of that salary so it's like it's not saying that like people that are social media influencers don't deserve it but it's like what are we giving our priority to like what what is what is being like promoted by society as like the most important thing like to look good on social media or to like be someone that you're proud of yeah so it's because i feel like it's all about appearances now and it is i think that's my my biggest thing for for like the feminist movement in the future just to like I think it's really good that like women are being able to like choose what they want to do with their life more now than ever and there's women who like have more liberty and have a voice at more than ever and I do think that we're when we take one step back we take two steps forward but um I also do think that like we can't we can't forget why like how we got to this point and like how many women had to sacrifice so much for us historically to to have the privilege that we do now so I think it's only justice it's only like just for us to you know like promote women who like are doing other things that are not just like influencing people on social media but yeah I mean I guess my my biggest goal is for society to listen to women who are not like who don't necessarily have that much you know women from other countries women who like don't have certain privileges to ever speak at all um to listen to them more and to, like, to be their voice in a way and give yeah. them a voice for what they actually need and want totally understood yeah yeah just like set your priorities like wh- who are you who are you like um, rewarding the most women who are doing certain things for women as a whole or like, I don't know, like it's tricky, but it's just like, I feel like we just need to like focus a little less on like aesthetics. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what it's what's rent. It's a, society runs on aesthetics. Society runs on Instagram, and like I said before, looks and all that stuff. Um, that affects women of all ages. Realistically, it affects women of all ages. You know, to look online and see, you know, the ideal image, perfect body, and you know, as a mirror. And it, it happens to guys too. But of course, women now more nowadays that it is very dangerous, and that's why social media is a leading cause of depression now. Because you compare yourself too often to other people. And uh, I only know that because I learned it in a college class, like social media, the effects of social media. I mean, I'm pretty sure I would have learned it in a YouTube video. But I mean, think about all the high school kids or the younger kids who don't have access to this sort of education. It's just they fall into this trap of what society has, like what, what they should look like and what they should wear. And then at the end of the day, it's, it takes away the, the feeling of being yourself. Yeah. And that's that's a huge problem. But either way, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and thank you for being an actual progressive member of society and uh doing great things for the community. And uh I know you're gonna continue to do amazing things. So thank you for joining me and having this conversation because um I I, I do gain new perspectives every time I talk uh about things like that. And it's just that's that's what I'm here for and that's what I'm here to do. But thank you so much for joining no, thanks us. Thanks for having me and thanks for letting me talk and giving me a platform. Of course. Um, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I really did. I, I usually just talk about this to my friends like normally. So it's just like I'm happy that I can share it with other people and that like hopefully you'll have a bigger audience because I think what you're doing is really great and you're including a lot of different types of people. And I think that's really like something that can really benefit everyone you know using the internet to like you, you know help yeah. people see that they're not alone and they're not they what they think is not just like what they think a lot of people think the way they do of course so, and i that's 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 what i do of course and I, I i overall do enjoy it because i hope um you know in the future when people listen to this or when i upload it and things like that like someone gets at least a little bit out of out of it you know they they learn something new and they might you know because of my experiences or because of your experiences or other guests experiences, they view something, uh, whatever struggle we face, they, they understand why they don't or why they could do face it in the future and things like that. And I think it's very important for us to understand each other as humans. And I guess that's my overall goal. Even ever since I started doing something like this, all those like a, like a year and a half ago with like my little YouTube videos of just interviewing people on certain subjects. I feel like that overall goal has always been, to just understand other humans. And I think, I think that's definitely something I want to work on more. And, you know, it's just, it's just cool to see others journeys, the people who are very passionate about subjects, but um, I'll stop rambling now. Uh, I'm going to remind the viewers really quickly that Rafa's podcast is available on Spotify, every other streaming platform other than Apple music and also not SoundCloud, but Google podcast and YouTube. It's going to be uploaded. Of course. Um, join us every Monday for a different guest and every Friday for the super special edition, uh, which is comic book movies and all those things that are also fun. But thank you so much, Daniela, and um, be safe. And like I said multiple thank times, you. thank you so much for being passionate about something yeah. and uh, continue to be great. Thank you. All right. Signing off okay. in one, two, and bye. <laughs>